Good morning, motherfuckers, and welcome to Medicine for the Dead, episode two. Episode number two, and today we're going to talk about everyone's least favorite fucking thing in the entire fucking world, the economy. It's a pretty ambitious start for our second episode. <laughs> for a bunch of people with no fucking money. What's yeah. up? We're broke. Let's talk about the economy. This makes sense. Totally reasonable. And, and our Patreon is. Yeah. <laughs> Don- donations well, see, happily but, accepted. But 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 we have a guest on who does know things about money, so that makes this legitimate, right? Yes, yes. We have my good friend and our soon-to-be good friend, Matt Porter. Round of applause. <laughs> Matt Porter in the house. Matt is a commercial loan broker, so he's as close as we can get to the nefarious overlords that are running this fucking world. <laughs> but he's here, so... He doesn't- I- he doesn't look very nefarious. <clears throat> yeah, very, very. No, nice I'm not. <laughs> I'm a little small to be a nefarious overlord for <laughs> sure. There, not many five six people lord over anything, to be honest. So, but no, I appreciate you guys having me on. I listened to the first episode; it was very awesome, and hopefully, I can provide some sort of insight into what I know about the economy and how it, uh, for the most part, fails to work for the average joe these days <laughs> that's a good well i'm sold <laughs> <laughs> yeah what could go wrong i think we're going to do a lot of agreeing today porter <laughs> that, that, uh, hopefully hopefully <laughs> he'll, he'll do just fine don't you guys worry so why don't we just get into the nuts and bolts of the things why isn't the economy working for everybody what's going on here so I think if we're going to talk about where the problem starts, uh, it starts in the financial services sector where I do make all of my money. So <laughs> I am part of the problem in and of itself, and I will admit that right here on this show for everyone. So just to give you an idea, take you back, like let's go to World War II. In 1947, the amount of profits that were made in this company by corporations in the financial services sector, that was about 10% uh, of our economy's profits. It was that. Uh, hit 2010 and now into 2020, it is well over 50% at this point in time. So okay. almost all of our money is being made by the financial sector. That's where the profits are going. So to dig even deeper into that, we can talk, uh, I guess, about financial intermediation, right? That's the amount of money financial companies make for providing the services to you. Right? Well, first though, so, how, what would you, how would you define the financial sector? Like when you say it was 10% or 50% of the economy, like what, what are you referring to specifically? So, I, I mean, that's anything that has to do, whether it be banking, uh, your hedge funds, anyone who's providing loans, all encompassing financial services, credit card processing companies, those are going to be in there. Um, just about anything you have to do with the movement of money. That, that is going to be, whether you're depositing, whether you're taking it out, whether you're borrowing it, uh, that, that all falls into the financial sector. So, so money making money without a product, basically. Sometimes, like sometimes there is a product, right? Like if you are buying a building for your business and you're financing that and you have to pay points and interest to a bank that is providing you a service, they're giving you money in order to do that. That actually is, there is a service and a good, there's an exchange of, of, of stuff there. And that does help the regular Joe because regular Joe builds that building, right? Regular Joe works in that building for the person who does it. So there, you do need 
the financial services sector in order to provide some stuff. Now, where the problem comes in is when we're talking about like intermediation, right? Which is people like myself, the people who help people find loans and we get paid money in order to do so. Or if you're buying stock, right? Like you're paying a fee to the company that you use on your little day trader app in order to do that sort of stuff. You pay those guys a fee. So I did a little research about this, knowing that we were coming on this episode and I kind of <laughs> looked this stuff up. So I have some stats. So the cost of financial in intermediation as it related to the GDP in 1870 was about 2%. So back when we're doing railroads and all that kind of stuff, like the actual cost that it cost us in order to run the financial sector was about 2%. That's what we paid. In 1928, it had spiked up to almost 6%. And then we had obviously the black Monday or whatever it was. And we had the financial stock market collapse and that led us to the great depression. And that went way, way, way down. Right. So the cost that it costs to do, financial business went way down. Uh, by the time 1980 hit, it was back up to 5%. Wasn't quite up to that six, but it was up to five. In 1980, a new administration came in and mm -hmm. one of their biggest ideas was- Josh, uh, Josh, Josh has boy. The, he's the biggest anti-Reagan boner right now, by the way. <laughs> So one of their one of their biggest ideas was financial deregulation, right? They wanted to deregulate the financial markets. <clears throat> by 2010, the amount of money being made by financial intermediation was up to 9%. So in the course of 30 years, it jumped almost as much as it had in an entire century before that. Wow. Um, and now it is roughly... Let's see here. And the thing is, is that it shouldn't actually cost that much more because with technology. So a lot of that money gets made on how much it costs to buy and sell a stock. Right. Like so you're buying a stock, you're selling a stock. Each side is paying somebody money in order to do that. That was much more expensive back in the day when we didn't have E-Trade. Right. Like <laughs> E-Trade made brought it to the masses and now everybody can do it. And it's actually cheaper. It's significantly cheaper in order to make trades today than it was back then. So why does it cost us so much more? Well, the reason it cost us so much more is because the dudes at the top are making way more money off of that stuff now than they ever were before. And they've opened up all kinds of new loopholes. And we all know about what happened in 2008 with the mortgage-backed securities and the way that they were doing all that stuff. Like Those are games they could not have played pre-1980. Those are games that they can only play now. And some of them they can't pay anymore after Dodd-Frank. But it, that is where a lot of our money is went. And that is where the majority of the profit is being made in this world. And that's why we have such a large gap in, I guess, income disparity in this country is because the super hyper wealthy rich that own hedge funds, they get to play these games with money that make money on top of it that are not providing any tangible good to any of us, but they are making ridiculous amounts of cash off of it. So yeah. they're working off information that's not necessarily available to the general public, right? It's not just information, it's technology. This is another right. thing that I looked up today is they said that, uh, where's that? Where's that? Almost 70% of all trading volume is being done by supercomputers at this point Good. in time. <laughs> and those people are using fractions of a fraction of a fraction of a second to make fractions of pennies, but they're doing it on such large transactions that 
it matters, right? Like right. when you're doing it on one one hundredth of a penny and you're making that much more than the average Joe is, but you're buying 10 million shares of it, that starts to add up. Over well, and, and so the, to, to speak to that point and, and this idea of this the kind of dichotomy of economy, um, I, I, I was listening to an interview on NPR recently that said things like the mortgage-backed securities only have one real loser that's going to risk. It's it's the person who's taking out the mortgage. If they can't pay that mortgage back, they're the ones that owe the money. The person that invested the money, it's diversified. There's elements of the government that cover that cost. Um, and so those folks at the top making all that money are almost taking no risk, right? There's It's like all reward at this point. Absolutely. So they're getting a lot of their money on the front end, right? Right. Like there is commissions being made on the sale of those mortgage-backed securities, and it doesn't matter one way or another whether or not that loan pans out at the end of the day. Um, and then they're the ones who have all the money. So when those loans do go bad and property drives, pro- uh, property prices drop 30%, guess who comes along yeah. and buys all that stuff and now rents it out to you because you can't afford to live in your house anymore. <laughs> That's our it, fucking it's president. Same. It's our president that does that. <laughs> no, I actually, I think that's more like our senators and congressmen. Well, them they too. Yeah, yeah. Fuck all of them. Pretty much everyone. What, <laughs> what, let's go ahead and put a definition to mortgage-backed security. Like, what, How would you define that as a thing? Um, so I will just use an example of something that I'm familiar with right now. Like some friends of mine were looking at doing like a real estate investment trust or a quasi real estate investment trust where we're going to take cash from people who need to put cash somewhere. (laughs) We're all familiar with the SBA, right? Like the SBA does loans to small businesses. A lot of the loans that they do are on mortgages on commercial properties, right? So Joe Blow runs a furniture building shop and he needs to put have himself a facility in order to do that in. So he goes and gets a mortgage and it's an SBA loan. Um, so he gets that he gets that SBA loan at the bank. Well, the reason why the bank is willing to give him that loan, he's probably not as strong and can't get a conventional mortgage. So he gets an SBA loan. The SBA is going to is the federal government guaranteeing a portion of that loan. So let's say that the bank comes along and they underwrite it and they say, hey, we're willing to take 60% of that exposure if the government's willing to take 40. And then the government has an organization that looks at that loan. They say, yeah, we're willing to take 40% of that exposure. We'll guarantee it. So they give you a loan for a million dollars. The bank really is only out 600. The bank puts out the million, but if for some reason you were to go bad, the government would give them 400,000. The bank would only be out 600,000. And then the bank would take the building back. And the bank and the worth, uh, building's probably worth more than a million bucks, right? So their bank is going to make money at that point in time. Well, the government secured portion of that loan uh, can be sold on a secondary market. And so what they do is they bundle those up. Um, there's two different types of SBA loans. There's 7A and 504, but they bundle those up and they take them to the marketplace. And very wealthy people can buy bundles of those loans, of those 504 and 7A loans. And let's say that you know it was done, the, the interest rate to you was done at 6% right? Something like that. Well, they'll take a bundle of those loans and sell it to uh, on the market. And they'll say, you have a 5% coupon. You get a 5% rate of return on that money, right? So there's a little bit in there for the other guys, but you're essentially accepting that exposure. Well, I'm not really accepting any exposure whatsoever because I bought the government secured portion of it. Right. So if that loan goes bad, 
the federal government is going to pay that loan off for that guy, right? He's going to pay off that exposure. And me as the secondary investor who has the mortgage-backed security, I'm the one who is still going to be okay on it. So, And then there's people who insure those things. That's what happened in 2008 is, you know, AIG, they were insuring a lot of those mortgage-backed securities, those bundled products, and then they started going bad because <laughs> they were had to pay out too many claims, and that's where we started to run into real problems because they didn't have the money in order to do all that, and then the government had to step in and make sure that all the rich guys kept their money, so... That's fucking crazy. And that's not, we're not talking conspiracy theory. That's literally exactly what happened. That's not yeah. uh, yes. little people bitching about people with money. I mean, that's exactly how it went down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, it was what happened in 2008. I mean, people talk about it all the time. It was the largest transfer of wealth that occurred in our generation. Like, you had working class Joe who had put all their money, they put, you know, 10, 20% down on a house, right? Like, and they are going to do all this and they've been putting money into it. And then they got into the wrong type of mortgage. It was a floating rate. It starts going up. They can't afford it anymore. They get their house taken. The bank gets it back and yeah, they're going to lose some money on it, but you have these massive, you know, firms that come along and, they buy those, they buy up big swaths of these houses from these banks and then rent them back out to people. And then they'll sell those off to other individual investors who are buying portfolios of 20, 30 investment homes at a time. And they're all making money off of it. They got a smoking deal on those houses. They got renters, they got everything. Like, and the real people who lost a real portion of their money are the folks who bought the place in the first in yeah. the first place. The people right. at the bottom Absolutely. of the ladder. Yeah. Absolutely. And those people are the ones who had to move in and rent it and continue right. making move payments. Back, move back into the house they got afterwards. kicked out of. Yeah. They so, just did it on a rental program instead <laughs> of on an ownership program at that point in time. So So the only exposure in that is the end user, right? There's nobody else is really out anything. Always, always. And that's kind of like what's going on right now. Um, where you have like this eviction moratorium, right? And a lot of people are basically saying, hey, you know, what's going to happen? Because all that's happening is your, your rent is still due. They just can't kick you out. So that rent is accruing. Where the problem could lie is that, you know, some of those landlords, the ones who do it as on an investment basis, they probably have mortgages, right? Because they're buying up more houses they're taking the profit for one and then they're building up a down payment and going buying a second and then doing it and doing it and doing it well when they're not collecting rent they still have their mortgage payment too right and so there's going to come a point in time where the bank there's no foreclosure moratorium there is a eviction moratorium and so if they run out of money, eventually that's going to happen. And so chances are the federal government probably comes in and steps out, steps in and makes some level of payment to somebody. But ultimately all that money does is just go to the banks. Like they're the ones who are going to get it. Like say they right. forgive your, they're going to give you the money to pay your rent. Your rent's going to go to your landlord or your landlord's going to give it to the bank. It's just a straight transfer to the bank. They're better off going to the bank and saying, how much money do people owe you? I'll just pay that. Like, right. which is exactly that, what happened in the first place. So. so, so the beautiful, the beautiful thing about how that ties into the things that we've talked about so far on this podcast um, is how confused we are at why a certain portion of this country are at odds with each other. Because the people that are vocal about being at odds are the renters and the landlords, the two fucking people on the bottom. 
that don't really have anything other than their tiny little portion to stand to gain. And the folks that are keeping their mouths shut and making all the money are just adding, you know, fuel to the to the argument and letting all of us fucking punch each other in the face over breadcrumbs. And and I get I get how um, you know, like sort of hippy dippy that feels for us to be like, oh, you know, we're all serfs and we're fighting the the you know the, <laughs> the lords the and ladies, yeah, yeah. right? But that's exactly what the fuck we're talking about. You are you are like so. I am uh, a, a poor unemployed musician, and I also happen to be a landlord. And hey, the only we, reason why, we are we oh, yeah. are okay. The only reason I'm a <laughs> landlord is because in 2005. I and my wife bought a house at 2005 prices and decided to to have kids and expand at two, in 2010 when our 2005 house was worth 30% less. So instead of getting fucked, we um you know, we rented the place and keep paying that mortgage with the rent, which is just about the same. We're not making any fucking profit off of it. Now we are building equity theoretically, right? But if they fuck up and we fuck up, nobody backs our renters or us, we're all just fucked. And we, it, I'm somebody's landlord. I don't have any fucking money. I'm not in control of anything. I'm not lording any property over anybody. I'm just, I just happened to owe somebody else for that fucking house. And I need that money just to pay it. Right. And, and the fact right. that, I, that people in my position, uh, so, you know, some portion of people in my position feel like there's this, um, economic value to having this conservative state of mind it blows it blows my mind because when you when you lay it out with actual numbers and and what is 100% indisputable fact about financial systems it, it, it's ridiculous there like it, there's nothing that puts any of us on on any side other than each other's side against the side of people who make tons of money just to hold on to the money that we all need and it's kind of mind yeah. blowing yeah i mean it's <sighs> People really struggle with how big the numbers are that these people are playing with. Like we've all seen the little, you know, the little meme that goes around the difference between a billion and a million, right? Like a million seconds is 11 and a half days. And I think a billion seconds is 37 and a half years, right? right? <laughs> like, you know, even a millionaire who owns some properties, he is not playing anywhere near the same game that the billionaires in this world are playing at the truly highest levels. And that is essentially like where the difference lies in this economy, because it's massive. It is huge. And what it is that they're doing and how they're earning wealth and the type of wealth that they're earning versus the breadcrumb scraps that landlords like yourself are fighting over that are, Oh, I just want a little more equity in my rental house right now. <laughs> like it is, it's just, it, it, it doesn't compare. And what you're getting out of it versus what they're getting out of it are not the same. And the rules are not set up the same either. They're set up in order to benefit them and not necessarily us. Before we kind of jump back in, how much insight do you have for like the disparities in, in terms of uh, like, you know, accounting for race and like things like that in, in this sector? I don't, uh, I don't want to put you in a position where you're not comfortable discussing. Yeah. I mean, I, Obviously, I have not. Um, I haven't done research on it, but it sure. is quite profound. Like right. I think anybody with any sense knows that. I mean, it comes down to education, and it comes mm -hmm. down to homeownership. Ultimately, at the end of the day, like that is where wealth is is given. There's several generations behind in both those areas, um, as far as homeownership and education. Like there is no way that they are playing the same game 
that we are at all. Like right. if we're looking at it from a demographical. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, uh, so it, the, it's pretty substantial. And I would imagine that they're being disproportionately hurt because they are in service industries a lot more than we are. And those are the jobs that, you know, are getting right. shut down, whether yeah. it be hotels or restaurants or any of that sort of stuff. Like it's just, they're getting crushed. Yeah. 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 yeah, no, yeah I, heard, I, I heard the, I other mean, day, there's other stuff we it, can talk about that. Beads and I talked about with like automation, taking away jobs, which is, yeah. I, I almost facilitate on a daily yeah. basis. Mm. And we even talked about like the micro scale of that. Like even I have the option to get a CNC machine and remove an employee, <laughs> like poof gone. And that's it. Like the, the like sub 200,000 gross level, like automation is insane and getting rapidly faster. And better. Yeah. And I mean, it's, yeah. it's represented in, in other ways too, that we're seeing right now, like the spike in unemployment, right? Um, I don't know. We just, we're still talking. You're still recording, so whatever you can yeah. fucking edit it. But um, the, <laughs> the so the the spike in unemployment is 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 also you know unduly represented right, represented right the un the current white male I think unemployment rate is around nine percent and black male is over fourteen and like that's ridiculous. There's no good reason for that, right? But just like you said, you're talking about the industries that were hit harder by this and how there's yeah. no you know yeah. there, there's it's definitely no going to come down to. Right. I mean, it's going to depend into what sector you're in and and what it is that you do for a living. There's obvious right. parts that are being hit way harder than others right now. I mean, the financial industry. I know people at a ton of banks, ton of finance companies. Those people didn't lose their jobs. They just got sent home. They work from their house now right. instead of going to the office every day. Like it's they're still there. They're still doing all of those things. Um, there are layoffs coming, but I think they were pre-pandemic planned for other things. There's a lot of banking in this world that's going to significantly more automation. So we're just starting to see that more in general where, you know, your mid-market and business banking type bankers are just getting laid off. They don't need those people as much. So they're having to go and find other stuff to do in different industries and, um, but yeah, no, if you are a hourly wage worker in today's economy with what just happened, it's got to be quite rough on you for sure. Yeah. And I guess we're seeing a lot of companies that are, you know, they're almost using this pandemic as an excuse to lay people off, not just in the financial sector. But I mean, you see kind of like in the travel sector with the airlines, they went ahead and took that those PPP loans and then immediately announced they were having plans to, to lay off workers. So. You know, and yeah. there was rich, rich, continue to get richer. Well, there was, I don't know if you saw today, a story dropped about how JP Morgan Chase thinks that some of their bankers worked hand in hand with some of their clients to misuse PPP funds. Well, wow. who, who wrote the rules for the PPP funds? I mean, probably the bankers. There right? yeah. basically aren't rules, right? Like they just basically uh, yielded to minu uh, Mnuchin, right? He's kind of like the czar of the, the PPP and they didn't provide any mechanism for true oversight. They said he could, he would provide information, but they, they basically every in, bit of information I think that we've gotten out, correct me if I'm wrong here, but has been through like a FOIA request essentially. And, and all the, and the, yeah, they've just done 
everything they possibly can to uh, prevent. There, there is one rule for PPP that I know, and it's the reason why I didn't get any fucking money, uh, is because <laughs> I am a working musician, which means I travel a ton, mm-hmm. which means my main write-off is my travel expense. Anybody who does their own taxes and works in this industry knows that you know just mileage um, ends up being probably our biggest deduction. Like I, I, Josh and BJ, you guys can probably agree to that. And um, that put me uh, in in a position uh, where I was unavailable um, to pay myself for my 1099s. Even though I had $30,000 worth of 1099s, um, because my deductions make it so I don't owe money on that, I wasn't allowed any of that money. Um, and and it, it's interesting to me that that worked real well to keep me from getting any money. Um, but then you, you t- right? Like you talk about um, uh, these these upper echelon folks with so much more money that aren't in the position of giving a fuck about the thirty thousand dollars that I actually need. Um, uh, they, they they are able to work the system into into profit, right? Not even protecting themselves; they literally are profiting from it. I'm I'm assuming that's what you're saying. Oh, for sure. I'm sure I have zero doubts that especially like private equity companies who have shell companies set up to operate companies that they own. Right. So like that's a big thing in that world is if especially if somebody's getting into default or something like that, you'll take operational control. Like you'll make them sign over 51 percent of the company to you and you'll have someone who essentially oversees all the decision making. Um because they have operational control over those companies, they, I'm quite certain that they applied for PPP loans and got them and probably used those funds for all kinds of other business practices that they needed to use them for. And I feel quite certain that Steve Mnuchin and his boys are not going to do a damn thing about any of it. So. No, those ones that they come through too. There's no, there's no real regulation. Like the only rule is you have to use it, right? <laughs> like you have to spend the money. But you have to spend I, it on the rule is that you're supposed to ha- spend it on payroll. You're supposed to. That, make no, that's only if payroll. You don't want to otherwise, pay you have to pay it back. Yeah, yeah. I believe but the, yeah. there's no qualifier for what payroll is. So you can on you can take anybody on and have them do anything. It's just the fucking Wild West. Well, I don't even know. I mean, it's not like they're there with you auditing what how many people are in your office and what they're doing every day. Right. right. You're giving a piece of paper that says, hey, this is what my payroll was during that time period. I kept paying people. Uh, There's, I don't think there's any way they're going to be able to go back and match up payrolls to payroll taxes that were paid by individual and FICA and all the other stuff that would normally be done to make sure that you paid those people the amount of money that you said you did (laughs) on your level. Scout's honor. So, so I'd like to throw it yeah. to, to Christian real quick because I feel like you've been building up a couple of points that you yeah, want. your head's about to fucking explode. I, I mean, I, I've got to say, it, it, in general, my reticence has something to do with a combination of shock and rage. And, <laughs> um, as much as I know or don't know or learn, and the more I hear, and even just in this conversation, the more infuriated I get. I mean, it just seems like we're so. Uh, set up against to fail as the average person. Mm. Uh, it seems like it's a game that we're not even really privy to, but yet we're still kind of expected to play. We don't really have a choice, right? I mean, like if you want to do anything in this world, you need a credit card, you need a bank account, you need a social security number. Like you have to play the game. It's it's the yeah. to, to play that game. There's a price of admission. You need like what? What did we talk about earlier? Like three to five million dollars 
and all of a sudden people will pay attention to you. If you don't have three to five million dollars, right? Fuck, fuck yeah. off. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you can go back even farther than that. Just look at what it takes to get into college, right? And getting a a, a college loan, right? You get it from a company like SoFi, who that's the they have naming rights on the new Los Angeles you know, football stadium. <laughs> Those guys are making money hand over fist. I happen to know because my girlfriend has a loan with SoFi. I've been paying it for the last 10 years. <laughs> I called them one day and was like, how much money to get out of this thing? Like, I feel like I've been paying you forever. I, I don't know how I still owe you money. <laughs> and they told me, like she had given me the amount that it was. It was like $40,000. I still owed like $58,000 on it. And I was like, how is that humanly possible? And it's because they do not allow for an early payoff. You owe all payments, principal and interest on that loan. And that it's like a 25 year loan. So like they've amortized it out. I mean, we've all seen if you run an amortization chart on a mortgage, right? Like right. a 30 year mortgage, you're paying all interest at the very beginning yeah, yeah, and yeah. very little, very little principal. They're doing that with college loans. And so, you know, you have a $40,000 loan, you're paying like 95 grand to these guys in order to have it. And you're already way behind the eight ball. Well, and yet the argument is that it's the, the fucking elitist professors that are bringing our country down because they're, (laughs) you know, folks like me and Christian, who are you adjunct or are you full-time? Profession. No, I, I don't teach anymore. Oh, you don't teach anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm also, aside from being a musician, I'm a crappy adjunct music professor. <laughs> and my like, $19,000 a year set me up in the elite class. You know, you need to come at me, uh, you know, but because you're more salt of the earth than I am in, in that way. You know, it's <laughs> it's so, it's so like, I mean, I know all this. I know all this. Like I, but my, my uh, undergrad degree, um, I had a business minor because I was getting into music and I thought, well, that's not going to do any fucking good so i'll have something else and so taking finance and marketing and econ i was like wow this is all total bullshit this is all terrible and this was in the early 2000s like when this stuff was still like oh things are kind of not looking that great right now and here we are 20 years later and they're like you know those guys were super right and also lars we already talked about how he was right too you know with with uh uh, mp3s and and music online oh yeah lars was right I mean, I which I, sucks. I don't like admitting that. I did the same thing the other day. I like I called my I have Sally Mayer or Navian or whatever the fuck it is now, and I was looking at my loans. I graduated in two thousand four, and I owe more money than I did in two thousand four. Like, how is that <laughs> fucking possible? Like, yeah, it's a fucking scam. It's and, a, it's a scam. Yeah, I mean, and you, it just isn't like right. there's like, there's no reason to go to college because you're just fucked forever. Like you're never gonna get out of that hole. There's no way out. Yep. Yeah, if I could do I it mean, all over, I mean, you have you have some candidates. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Christian. Uh, I was just gonna say, if I could do it all over, like no fucking chance would I have gone to college. Yeah, no. That, I mean, I I have so much debt that the only way that's going away is if I die or fucking decide to disappear and move to another country. I had a bunch of friends that took the risk and they just stopped paying them, and seven years later, it's just gone. Like that's uh, almost I will better. Tell you it's not gone. Where that. <laughs> Where it, well, where it will fuck you up at is if it was a government-funded student loan and you go to get an SBA loan, that you will not qualify. They have you in a system for that, and they will mm-hmm. not give you a loan for that. That's so. Dumb. That's okay. Those people Indeed. aren't getting small business loans either because we all <laughs> like we're just fucking trying to play the gigs that are left over right. after <laughs> after the end of the fucking universe. I just owe my hundred bucks on a Thursday. <laughs> right? Like it's a sad, sad situation. That's man. fucking insane, man. 
Then Porter, what do you think about like the, 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 the candidates who are running for president this time around talking about student loan forgiveness and things like that? Do you think that's like a feasible thing or communist kind of like a pie in the sky, like searching for votes type of deal? Yeah. If they wipe my student debt, I'll vote for him. <laughs> yeah. I'm into that. <laughs> I listened to the first episode, so I'm going to be trying to be nuanced here about this <laughs> because it's not always black and white. It, there is a whole lot of gray. There is obviously, based on my own experiences and the experiences we just talked about here, those people are fucking ripping people off without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, they basically just bought a fucking football stadium for a billion dollars. Like, it's not as if they aren't making money and don't have the ability to provide loans to people. Like, they are making money hand over fist. Um, I don't know if just completely eradicating people's um, student debt is the way to do that. Uh, There's probably an answer in between. There was probably like, hey, you can't jam a spiked baseball bat up someone's asshole. (laughs) And, uh, hey, you also need to pay back the money you owe with a reasonable amount of of interest, right? Because they took a risk on you. Um, How do you go about like a mass refi type of thing, like a mandatory almost. Yeah. Yeah. Or like kind of what they did in 2008 where like there was just this massive, like blue sky that was there that there was never going to be retained. And they were just like, Hey, we're going to wipe that out. That's gone. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you could almost do that to those people is like, take a look at someone's individual debt and be like, Dude, this dude has paid you eighty thousand dollars on his forty thousand dollar loan, <laughs> right. and Give him you a still break. say he owes you fifty thousand dollars left. Fuck you! You're not getting right. that fifty thousand dollars. Like that is a totally reasonable thing to do, I think. And and a good um, use for automation, right? <laughs> like they can fucking figure that out without having to put someone's right. eyeballs on it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like they can come up with some sort of little formula to figure out, you know, hey, what's a reasonable amount? Like, did he pay? what the equivalent is of 10% interest for 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. Like, did you get that money back? Okay, dude, you're, you're not getting any more than that. Right. Instead of 5,000% interest over. Right. It, <laughs> it does. I mean, having a, having a college degree is going to allow you to earn more income in your life. I'm not going to say that it doesn't like the data is very clear on that, that it will for the most part, unless you're like, Steve Jobs, and then like <laughs> you'll make more than all of us combined in your life without having graduated college. But but they all they all had this support system. They had money that they got from their parents and and right, that type of stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah, they had generational wealth to play yep. with, so made it a little bit different for yep. for them. But it's it, there has to be a middle ground. The cost of colleges went up quite a lot. Um, I have a feeling the finance companies because they could get away with that and they were willing to pay that money probably led to the colleges charging more, right? Mm -hmm. It was like kind of a hand in hand thing they did together. Um, You know, there's also stuff you could do. I mean, you could be like, yo, dude, you need to go to the Peace Corps for two years when you get out and do something good in the world. And mandatory service. Well, forget your debt, right? Like, I mean, it's like the GI Bill. That's essentially what it was intended to do. And 
we kind of talked about it off air a little bit, but one of the ways that that disproportionately affected black people was they could not get into many of the universities and colleges in the areas right. where they lived. So when they got back from World War II, they couldn't take advantage of those benefits and right. they didn't get a chance to get the college degree when they needed to get a college degree. In order if to if they got the pay. GI Bill at all, right? Because a lot of times <clears> for, for uh, black soldiers that came back, they didn't. Yeah, because you have to make 10 years, right, to, to, to pull that. Um, Right. That, that's yeah, the post, there was that's uh, the post 9/11 GI Bill. Maybe I'm not. Maybe that's not the same thing. The old no, yeah, one. No. I mean, in World War II, when you came back, I think everybody got it. But they definitely yeah. played games with it as it came to the African American community. And then the ones that could get it, again, it was very difficult for them to find a university or college mm -hmm. near them who was willing to take them in, and that caused problems. And you know, that's a whole nother episode. Sure well, there are there are actually debt forgiveness programs for people who like go and teach in inner city U.S. or go do join the Peace Corps right. or things like that. But yeah. if you hear stories, a lot of them are getting screwed where they're they're so intricate yeah. and complicated that by the time they apply for them, the paperwork gets lost or they filled one thing wrong and you know they lose it because then it didn't get processed by a certain date and. Or you missed a payment or some. Yeah, like there's there's so many yeah. loopholes that, that people are not. I actually thought they getting just it. tried to cancel it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think, think there was. This is like straight up trying to say like, nope, you're not getting it anymore. Yeah, because I think it was the the program was passed under Obama, if I'm not mistaken, and yeah, I think it was it was some amount of time, and it was forgiven if you make payments constantly, like ten years. Yeah, like ten years, like and it, and I think if you work for like a nonprofit or something like that, um, well, and yeah. then. Yeah, and then under this administration, they've basically just said "fuck you." Yeah, yeah. From, from, personal, experience, <laughs> from personal experience, when I when I got out of college, I went and I taught in uh, the the we live in Baltimore, the Baltimore City Teaching Residency Program, where I went and I was teaching in a Title One school for a couple of years. And if I did that for I don't know four four years or something like that, they would pay a certain percentage of my student loans back. And to be honest, I think within a year, it was so complicated. It was just a waste of my time. And I just was like, ah, fuck it. I'll just pay my student loans back. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still paying it back. I'm, I'm still paying certain. it back. <laughs> Forever. I, I, uh, well, I mean, that's part of the whole college thing too. But uh, I felt like it was, uh, I dug myself in such a trench with getting into student loan debt with undergraduate school that the only way to possibly get myself out of it was to go back to school and get a graduate degree and dig the hole even deeper <laughs> yeah my, my wife had a real similar position so she um was you know uh, a valedictorian of her high school you know incredibly smart had you know easily got into the the liberal arts school she wanted to go to but after four years there she still owed you know thirty forty thousand dollars now this was in 2000 you know 2000 time period money right or 1999 uh and then she was studying music so the only way to continue that as a classical player was to go on and get her grad degree and start, you know, taking auditions. So there's, a, you know, we went to a, a, a school in the Midwest that's renowned, but it also the price tag after that was all said and done was like another $60,000. And then she luckily won a job with the military playing music. And there is some, you know, they repaid some of those loans. We're still paying on those loans. I'm I'm 41 and she's 40 and and we won't we will always be paying on those loans until until you know whatever they'll just be there and we'll pay whatever amount we pay every month. It'll just be part of our lives. Um, and she she's like best case scenario. She went to school for art. 
she got a really good job that has real benefits and a real paycheck making that art. And she's still being penalized for the fact that it took all that money just to get to the point of achieving that job that otherwise she wouldn't even been eligible for. And it's, it's like, right. it's a, it's a rigged game at that point. I, I do believe yeah. there's one catch to all of this, which is that if you really rack up some student loan debt, I think if you get on an income contingency plan or income based repayment plan, if you pay or if you're in good standing for 25 years, 25 <laughs> years, uh, they will eventually forgive your debt. That is true. We're 10 years out from that. So we're just <laughs> so hanging all tired. If, if you start a business and make so little money that you don't actually pay yourself and you can get away with not having to pay anything back for 25 years, uh, the, I think they will they'll wipe it, but you have to pay the taxes on that as, as income the taxes are lower than the actual fucking debt. So, uh, so that's kids, a, that's, a that's an idea, kids. So what's, is there, yeah. is there a reason to not just drop the interest to zero other than like, obviously like people are earning off of the, the backs of fucking the education of Americans, which is why we're so fucking stupid, which we talked about last time. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, like what's, what is there? There's what he's saying is why does somebody need to profit off of a student loan? Why does and, and I get I get that the only way you get people to make loans is, is that it needs to be incentivized, right? But we have um, lots of other things that we do in the government incentives that we give people. He's saying, why don't we create something where you do take out a student loan and you pay the university, so the university makes the money and you pay back that amount of money? That's it, no interest. Like that's I'm assuming that's what you're. That's what I'm saying. Money. Yeah, like like that that would be the solution to so many things. Like if my loans were just zero percent interest. I'd pay less money a month. It would all be towards the principal, and then I wouldn't have a student fucking loan anymore, and I have more free capital and more money in the economy. Right? Trickle right, up. Right. Yeah. You would. Yeah. Yeah. You should have more money in order to buy stuff. Right. right. I think <laughs> this goes back to what we talked at about at the very beginning. Nine percent, man. Nine percent, right. and uh, financial intermediation. Nine percent of the GDP. These dudes are making more money off of us than they ever have before. They love that we have debt like they love it it makes them a ridiculous amount of money they make de- they make money off of the debt of our debt like they have <laughs> their stack debt they're swapping debt like i mean they got all these games that they can play with debt that it just puts you in like they sell it take no difference i mean we've been talking about college the whole time i mean you're not on a college campus for more than 10 minutes on your way to your first class and someone's shoving a credit card down your face. Like it is literally what drives this country, right? They put us in debt in order to buy cars, right? Like we're the only country really in the world that has cars the way that we do. Now, granted we invented them, right? And like, you know, are the ones who like started bringing it around and it was cool and it was a sign of status. But now They've almost built cities in a way that you have to have one, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like it makes it really tough because of our dilapidated infrastructure in order for people to get around to and from jobs unless they're in their community. And typically if you're going to have like kind of a nice paying job and especially in a like blue collar line of work, you don't really want to live in that community. They don't put those businesses in the nicest of areas. And so like you have to have a car in order to get in and out of those areas. But same thing with the house, you know, a 30 year mortgage, like 
that is a whole different game too. You ever look at that number? I mean, I got T value on my computer right here. I could pull up if you buy a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar house and you pay four percent interest for thirty years. We could look at what that number looks like. Um, you're gonna pay. In fact, Beads, you can edit this out. We'll just take a quick look at it here. <laughs> I will. It's. it's I like will a, tell you. It's around ex- twice as much, right? It's like I will give you. I'll tell you exactly what it's going to be. You are going to pay. Uh, calculate. So that's 360 payments. You're going to pay $429,674.40. Around 100% more. (laughs) Yes. So you're going to pay a ridiculous amount of money in debt. That's them making money off of it. Again, it comes back to taking risk. But here's the thing. Like when they do their credit evaluation of you, right? They're looking at the five C's, you know, credit, character, collateral, blah, 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 right? Like making sure that they can underwrite you. They're going to, one, ask you for 10 to 20% down. Like that's typically how a lot of those loans work. I know that there's the 3%, but those are federally backed first-time homeowner loans. Like there's not a whole lot of risk in it. Talking more about like a traditional mortgage, right? So they give it to you for 30 years. They already got 10% equity in the house. They have a pretty good idea that you're not going bad on that anytime soon. What's going to happen? Like, usually you're married. Like, oh, we're about to have our first kid. You move into the house. Well, guess what? It's going to be like 10 years later when you have a drinking problem and you get divorced and your wife wants to take you for all you got. That's when your credit's going to go in the shit. You're going to drink yourself out of your job. And they're going to get a house that they you've paid, you know, I guess, $30,000 into at that point in time. Plus, they had your 10% down payment. Like they're going to sell that thing for more money than they owe. And like, it's just all the cost to do a business. Like they're, they're going to get you, but all these things that we buy into, we pay way too much money for them because they're almost like requirements, like living in a house, having a car, like, and we pay way more money for that stuff than we really ever should. And it's ridiculous. I mean, we can go to businesses, right? BG and I talked about this a little bit earlier today. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are a business and you want to finance a piece of equipment, right? Uh, they're going to want to see that you have one and a quarter percent debt service coverage on that new piece of equipment. So say you can get a contract, say you manufacture widgets and you already have a manufacturing line and someone comes to you and says, Hey, I need you to manufacture twice as many widgets as you're doing right now. And I'm willing to pay you X, Y, Z amount of money. But you need a new you need a new line for that because you don't have the production capacity, right? So no bank is going to give it to you because they want to see that you've already made enough money in order to cover that new line. And you're not making that. You're only making enough to cover your own line plus whatever extra profits that you have. So you go ahead and you go to a finance company that will do like a contract-based deal, right? So they'll agree like, okay, we'll put you on a 72-month note. We'll give you $500,000 for your new line. Well, unbeknownst to you, they're going to put it on something like a you know, dollar option lease. That's what they call those, right? Like that's like one of the terms that they call it. So you're going to lease this piece of equipment and at the end, your payment's going to be a buck, a buck out on it. Well, the reason why they use a lease instead of a loan is because one, they take ownership of it. So it's technically sold to them. So they own it. So if you go bankrupt, they don't have to stand in line with the rest of your creditors because it's technically in their name, right? Mm. And you're just renting it from them for whatever your payment is every month. Two, 
Uh, leases are non-cancelable. They're not a loan. So there is no prepayment. Like, so when people say, oh, what's the prepayment penalty if I want to pay off early, you know, like I get five years into this and I've made a lot of money. I don't want to keep paying for it. Or I get three years in, I'm going to make a lot. This is a really profitable contract. I'm not going to need to keep paying you the whole time. They'll say like the people who sell these loans will say, uh, oh, there is no prepayment in a lease. And technically they are being honest with you because it's a lease. A lease is a rental agreement, right? But you don't know that. You're not going to ask another question. That guy told you that answer. Well, three years in, you go to you go to ask that guy for a payoff and they're going to give you a number that's going to shock you because uh, the payoff is all your payments, bro. That's what it is. <laughs> and so you can give me all your payments right now if you want to, and I will gladly take them, or you can keep paying them off over the next however many years you have left on your lease. But think about that cost of doing business, right? Like that costs that guy a whole lot more money than it probably really should in order for him to do it. Um, someone like me who pleases that loan, I'm not making that much money on that. Like not as much as those guys are like, they're going to pay me a couple percent. Right. But they're probably charging that guy eight, 9% for it. So really they're clearing seven. They gave me 2% of the sale price. So if it was 500 grand, they paid me 10 grand in order to do it. So like, I'm not making a whole lot of money, but those goods are, and then they're going to ensure that they get their money out of you. There is no way for you to get around it at all. And if you go bad, they're obviously going to get it. It's going to be something that's relatively easily remarketable. Um, like finance companies and people in the commercial finance industry, they don't finance shit they can't sell. Like that's just what it is. I mean, like you are like, Oh, there's this new piece of equipment that'll save me a hundred percent on my water costs. Like I would like to finance it. It's only a hundred thousand dollars. Everyone will be like, yeah, what are those? How many of those are out there being sold right now? You're like, Oh no, just this guy just came up with that. Yeah. Fuck you. I'm not fucking <laughs> financing that for you. You can't save a hundred. <laughs> your water like you want it come up with a hundred a hundred percent of that money yourself pal like it's it's stuff like that that happens uh right now so businesses are hurting right like they need cash and so i think all of us on the radio have heard things like you know what a merchant cash advances an mca i guess is the technical term for it but if you ever hear those um radio commercials for cabbage right like get cash from cabbage if you have a business like, you don't have to have a credit check. Like, we can advance cash within 24 hours. So essentially what those places do is they get six months worth of your bank statements. And they determine how much money you have coming in. And they'll say, okay, I'm willing to advance you $30,000, right? And so you are going to take that 30000 and pay bills. Or maybe you're going to use it for a down payment on a new truck or a new piece of equipment or whatever it is. They're going to give you the cash for that. Then they set it up. In order to repay themselves, they're taking a ridiculous amount of interest. Typically, they have a factor. So if they're giving you like uh, like $30,000, the factor will be like 1.24, right? So you have to pay them back $37,200, but you're only borrowing that money for six months. So think about that. You're paying $7,200 to borrow thirty for six months. That's like some knee breaker shit, right? Well, then what they do is they set it up on a daily payment where they collect it back from you. Like, so it gets drafted that 37 to, uh, out of a, what is that? Like 30 times 180, 180 payments, right? So 180 days, they're just pulling that stuff out of your account every single day. Um, 
you know, they're going to get all their money. Well, all those people, like those are the easiest people to borrow money from in the entire world. Right now, those people won't lend anybody anything. Like they're just like not taking calls. Like I literally have had a couple of customers. Like I have a guy who chases storms, right? Mm -hmm. So when these storms hit, he has to mobilize all of his like brush clearing equipment and all that sort of stuff. And like that costs like $80,000 for him to get his stuff there. And he doesn't always have it. So he will from time to time take out these MCAs in order to do it. There's, we both, we all know that there was a storm that just came through. He called me and was like, Hey, can you get me, you know, some of that money? I was like, yeah, let me check. Went and called those people. And they're like, yep, sorry, dude, not lending any money to anybody right now because they know that people are hurting and they think that the likelihood of them getting that money back is not as good as it normally is when they just whip you off. So like they won't give it to anybody. So when you need the cash, you can't get the cash. And that's another problem with the system where it's kind of, like tilted against you, even as a business owner, right? Even as the entrepreneur living the American dream, like they still tilt the system way against you and you can still make it. And people do all the time. And I have dozens and dozens of clients who do, but they're fighting an uphill battle every single day. And then it gets even trickier because they don't like to pay Uncle Sam. Like that's one thing, right? Nobody likes paying their taxes. Everybody tries to pay as little in taxes humanly possible. Well, the problem is with that is how can you go and borrow money from somebody if you're telling the federal government you don't make any money, right? Because that's what the lenders rely on. They say, hey, let me see your business returns for the last three years. Well, you didn't want to cut, you know, $75,000 checks or $750,000 checks to the government for your taxes. So you ran your whole life through it. You kind of manipulated the numbers here and there. Um, you go to borrow money and they're like, dude. <laughs> You didn't make enough to cash flow. <laughs> and hey, man, I feel personally like, attacked right now. I, th I, think you need to, I think you need to change course. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh. And, and <laughs> no, 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 no. I agree. I agree. And I feel like that. So, so one of the things I was thinking as we've been sort of moving this behemoth of, of terror forward um, <laughs> is that if we're going to keep anybody who might possibly be listening uh, to this from suicide. Um, <laughs> so what do we do? To change course. Well, I think about like uh, where where is this coming from? So like somebody somewhere is making a decision to allow this to happen, right? A lot right. of somebody. Yeah. So what's what's like the if, if we were to like simplify that, like where where is that starting? Like where are these policies coming from? And not why? Reagan, right? Just it's not, not it's, all it's Reagan's fault. Probably fucking Reagan, yeah. <laughs> no. Like what's the what's the no. source of this? It's not it's not like Ronald Reagan. What it is is these things sound very reasonable when they're explained to someone. Like any it's just like any sales. Like when these people, the you know, financial companies go and explain something to the lobbyists and all that sort of thing, and they go talk to politicians, they never tell you about how like they're gonna be able to set it up to fuck the dude over if they need to at the end. They're only telling them about the good things they're gonna do, right? Like, hey. I now, if you allow me to in this state to structure things with a dollar option lease or a 101 lease, like I can give them the money that way. But then in the course of default, like I don't have to stand in line with the creditors. So that allows me to lend more money. I'll be able to give money to people who I wouldn't necessarily be able to have given money to before. It, it's like there are positives to it, right? And you do have to take advantage of the system. I honestly am nowhere near smart enough to tell you how to go about <laughs> undoing this. Uh, 
and, and if you were to undo it, I can tell you that it would be incredibly, incredibly painful. Um, you know, there should be a way to, <clears throat> I, I can tell you one of the biggest problems is that there, for reasonable money in reasonable terms, there is a crunch. Like you cannot pry that money away from those financial institutions. Like they have so much of their money tied up in those big money and mortgage backed security games. Like they they have all our deposits, right? Like the chases and the B of A's and all those people. And typically in the olden days, like banks took deposits. So that way they could lend money, right? Like that's what it was like, Oh, we're only going to lend, you know, as much money as we have in deposits from the local businesses and the local people who are here. And that's how many loans we're going to be able to do. And that's how we're going to make money on the interest. Now the financial game has gotten so diverse and so crazy that almost all of the money that like we've deposited, very little of it is being spent on like what we consider like the loan part of it. Like, Oh, I'm using it on houses or I'm using it on this. Like they are playing, Big gambling, yeah, yeah, in the background with massive sums of money, and you would almost have to stop all that. Which would it would the economy and Wall Street and all that shit would be fucked up, and you know anybody who had their four hundred one ks and stuff and that there would be like a massive correction to that. Um, but if you said, hey, you need to stop fucking around with all that money over there, like it needs to be lent out or a more a higher percentage of it needs to be lent back out to small businesses, to mid-sized businesses. You need to take on more risk, right? Like, and you need to be better at your job, right? Because they turn down a ton of deals that get done other places and those people just get totally fucked over by somebody else. Like, So in, instead no of that though, like, like post-2008, did Dodd Frank correct any of that, or was it just like, like what what we, what what happened there, and what was undone from that? Because that's a big thing. So I'm been. not like an expert on Dodd Frank at all, but it definitely put in some additional requirements in regards to just the banking system and what you can and can't do, how, what lines you can and can't cross with certain amounts of money, what your positions can be, like your ratios on leverage and shit like that, like. It's so far above my pay grade. Like I do <laughs> JV financing in the world. Like that's that's what I do. Um, but it allows me to see what the regular man sees. Like I only deal with like what your everyday business owner is trying to deal with. Like so, I know the problems that they have. I had to, I I worked at Wells Fargo and I worked there for almost ten years. I had to tell really good businesses and really good people no way too often. And that's one of the reasons why I left because I couldn't give people I knew were a good deal money because the rules around how they would give someone money were so strict. It was, it was intended to discourage you from, you know, really applying like those people. It's over people, right? Right. Well, like, like was that like internal rules or like federal regulation? Uh, I mean, it's internal, but they're using federal regulation, right? So, like, the OCC, like, can audits them. Like, they come in every so many years and say, hey, we're going to drag a 100 of your files, and we're going to make sure that you're living up to the guidelines you have said that you are going to lend under, right? Hmm. Um, and they have the strictest guidelines. By having the strictest guidelines, they get the cheapest money from the Fed. Like, they're borrowing from the Fed at, like, 
zero, right? Like essentially the Fed's just giving them money to go place into the economy, but they have to be so hyper restrictive in order to obtain that rate that it just doesn't make sense for the average Joe. And so they were, I really got into like my issues with them and I, I by no means am I bashing them. I honestly believe they're probably, and this is funny to say, given their current situation, they're probably one of the more honest ones that are out there. Um, God help us all. <laughs> right. Right. And so, but they, uh, like they always said like, Hey, we're a relationship lender. And there was way too many times where I was like, yeah, no, we are a relationship lender. We're the <laughs> shitty boyfriend who doesn't have a job, <laughs> takes their fucking girlfriend's credit card and goes to this strip club and gets lap dances and drinks fucking vodka Red Bulls all night. And <laughs> Again, and I feel really attacked, man. Jesus fly. Christ, Matt. Yeah. Oh, Sounds man. like a fucking <laughs> hostage situation. Really? Like that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. 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 yeah, and they could. You cannot give. You, you just cannot give eighty percent of the businesses who probably deserve money and could use the money. You can't give it to them because they don't qualify. So there would need to be some sort of lightening up on the restrictions to say, "Hey, you have to lend. You have to lend. Like you can't like just kind of lend. Like <laughs> it needs to be what you do. Like that needs to be what it is." But they make so much money in fees and everything else that they do now like banking has become so much of a fee bank service that like it's just the capital crunch on the small and mid-sized business markets it makes it really tough for them to expand and go where they want to go and do so safely and not in an advantage where they're or not in a way that they're being taken advantage of constantly so how does like the consolidation of all these banks like into these super super fucking banks is that help i mean obviously that's probably making it worse right uh well yeah because they're all operating under the same shitty rules in order right. to get the, the cheapest money so the yeah, bigger they I mean, get they're able to have more influence on the the rules themselves no oh i'm sure in a lot of cases i mean they essentially are writing the rules for the most yeah. part like I, you know i mean people have talked about a lot of different folks and we're obviously in the middle of a political cycle like it's it, like you could put us like a crazy lady like elizabeth warren in there and just be like fuck it all up and like do whatever you think you need to do and i have a feeling at the end of it it would be very painful and yeah. people would hate her guts because like there would be people whose lives would be ruined along the way good people i'm sure but the 150 years after that would <laughs> Okay, like you would have to have a generation that's just willing to say, hey, I'm willing to eat this. Like, I'm willing to take the sacrifice so that way it's better for everybody else because anything they do to truly fix that problem is going to be incredibly painful. But I, I, there's there's got to be an interim between those two. And and I think, like now, this I'm going to say some liberal-ass shit real quick. Um, <laughs> if we uh -oh. implemented a real progressive tax, like – if you make a fucking $1 billion or more, you get hit with that, you know, post-World War II 97% <laughs> type world. There's no – those people can't spend that money. They'll never live long enough to spend that money. Why? Why don't we all agree that that's one way to at least offset some of the loss that we all take at the bottom? So I 100% agree with you. Like, And, in fact, I probably – tip this off the beach at some point in time, but that they are 
the biggest problem we have, and it's funny, we've been talking about debt this entire time. And if you look at our national debt, it's like as bad as it has ever been ever in our history. Like, yeah, but our Republicans think- in charge, so it's okay, right? That's, that's <laughs> yeah, that deficit schmaps yeah. it. <laughs> it, well, like, I feel like even in the middle of the Revolutionary War, where we didn't even have a revenue system yet, we still didn't have this much debt at one right. point in time. Like, we were still in a better position than we are now. But uh, you are 100% right that one of the biggest problems and the easiest way to start offsetting some of this would be to tax those people and to put that into some sort of progressive program. So. So you were talking about the tax rate. I've talked about this before. Uh, If you look at the, you know, we've all seen the graphs of corporate profits, EEO compensation and worker wages, right? And worker wages is a straight little dirty line right at the bottom. And it hasn't changed since 1945, other than a little up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. But it stays just about the same. Uh, If you take a look at corporate profits and CEO uh, payouts, you will notice that very clearly in around 1982-ish, those lines (laughs) skyrocket for the CEO. Josh has got another boner. (laughs) And the reason that is, is... The tax rate prior to 1981 was 70% on the highest income earners, and it got dropped to 50%. And that was the first time where essentially they incentivized people, wealthy people who own businesses to take money out of their company they normally would have left in, right? And they would have used it for either employee wages or additional benefits or R&D or uh capex like they would have done all kinds of different stuff with that money but now like they were just going to give 70 percent of that to the government now like they only have to get 50 percent of it and along with those tax cuts came a whole bunch of new tax loopholes right so that 50 percent isn't really 50 percent if you've got a good cpa right mm-hmm. so <clears throat> those people made the decision at that point in time hey we're going to start doing that People always talk about those 81 tax cuts, but what people really forget is in 86, he snuck another set in and dropped it down to 28%. So it went from 70% to 28% in six years. And that's when those dudes really started ripping those monies out of the companies and taking them personally. Um, It got down to Bush Clinton kicked it back up to roughly like old man Bush. He actually, that's how he lost his job, right? And Mm -hmm. then Clinton did a little more. They bumped it back up to 39.6%. Trump dropped it back down to 37. So, like, it sits at 37 today. Uh, it should definitely go back up. I Look, I'm not a big AOC fan. She kind of gets on my nerves with some of the stuff she says. But I do not think she's wrong in putting that thing up towards 70%. The problem is those dudes will hold a gun to your head and they'll be like, I'll fucking leave, man. <laughs> like, and then yeah, that's- but where are they going? That's the thing, right? They're full they of shit. Overseas. Yeah. Where yeah. are they going? We don't have. And not the thing little. is, is like, for as much as you might hate a, or not hate a AOC, but have your differences, I fucking love AOC. She's my fucking girl. Uh, but like, we don't have to go straight to seventy percent. Like, we can no. We can split the difference and then gradually increase too. We can we can go back to what Reagan had it at fifty and just yeah. be like, hey, Reagan thought fifty was cool, <laughs> right. dude. Like. Reagan's a communist. (laughs) Reagan, you guys were loving it when it was 50, when Reagan said it. Oh, God. I'll vote for Reagan right now at 50. 
Yeah. I mean, are we voting for dead Reagan? Because I'll vote for dead Reagan. Dead Reagan yeah, sounds great. He'll do we'll less damage than our Reagan. current president. I will so. not. I will not vote for dead Reagan. I'll be the contrary. Oh my God, Josh, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> Only at fifty, though, man. I mean, couldn't you pair that if, if the companies are like, we're going to leave? Can't you just pair that with shit? Like, we're a, we're a giant consumer economy, right? Can't you just pair that with some regulation that says if you leave, you can't sell shit to America? Yeah, yeah. Like, if, if Trump's going to rub his nuts all over China, yeah. why doesn't he raise the tax rate on the billionaires and then tell them if they go overseas, then he's going to put a fucking tariff? Like, he puts a tariff on everything else. Trump thinks fucking tariffs help because us. Because that's <laughs> so into it. Why don't we have that argument? Why is that not what we're talking about as opposed well, to, Because that like, affects his, his own pocketbook, though. That's the problem with him is he well of course that's why he won't do it but the argument (laughs) the argument would fall right in line with what he's already saying we have people making thirty thousand dollars a year pissed that somebody might get six hundred dollars a week in in unemployment this is this is such a tiny percentage of the actual money that would actually make a difference and it's ridiculous that we even argue over that well, people think right. that they're going to end up in that 1% bracket. They just have that dream that they're going to end up how there. How can they believe and, that? And they're fucking how can they believe that? Because one. they're fucking stupid because they can't go to college. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't, I, now, I, I, I'm going to say that well, the people that I grew up with that are, are, are 100% diehard Republican because they don't want welfare queens, which is a ridiculous uh, term to begin with. If you ever know anybody living on welfare, they don't live like a fucking queen. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, that's that another idea, Reaganism there. That, that idea of somebody getting something for nothing pisses them off so bad that they're willing to they but against what they know is true. They're willing to take that hit because it's some level of like the same way I felt weird about not working while I was unemployed um, as a musician. The thing that I studied, the thing that I've worked my life to do. So instead, I just like did any fucking thing I could do to work because that's what I was taught. That's the way I was. It, my life was built around that. They, there is a sense of worthlessness that you have if you don't have something to provide, and right. they they really believe that so strongly that this idea of taking money from these people with billions of dollars just because they happen to have it feels so appalling to them. I don't think any of them but, think they're going to make a billion dollars. None of them think that. Even the people that are conditioned. Like, They've Go been ahead, conditioned sorry. through like pop culture and through like everything they're watching on TV and and the news, quote unquote, news that they're watching that, you know, the, to this division where when you actually look at it, like the people who are on food stamps and the people who are kind of struggling on these menial jobs, they're. In, in the same fucking boat here. Like, yep. we're not each other's enemies. We're all on the same team, and we're all being pitted against each other by these forces that we've kind of been talking about that are up at the top raking in all the fucking cash and then looking at us and saying, the way that we don't have our lot threatened is by making sure these folks below us are fighting it out amongst themselves because that way they can't get to where we are. Christian. We're also products of of like the myth of the meritocracy, and we think that people fucking earn this wealth, right. and we don't, you right. know, acknowledge the fact that it's rigged, and they're kind of set up to kind of keep keep gaining it. Spotify doesn't write any songs. Yeah, again, backing you know to to culture, um, we've become disengaged with one another socially. We don't live as close to one another. We're on the computers all the time. And Less actual human I think content. a lot of uh, – there's actually studies about this psychologically that we we feel the same level of stimulation off of what we watch on the television and the celebrities that we follow as we do with actual people we engage with in the real world. And so if we watch enough things of portraying people in 
the you know the wealthy people we start to believe that we can become one of them and i think that's also a potential contributor to this notion yeah. of like why we think that yeah we're gonna you know donald trump's my buddy you know he's he's you know he, we're in the same tax yeah, bracket. that's they really do think that that is true now at that we talked about that last time like why would somebody who would get kicked out of mar-a-lago vote for for trump not kicked out because they did something wild just they don't have the right clothes on yeah they couldn't afford to exist there yet they feel so aligned with him in in some sort of they, weird personal way, go ahead, Josh. They wear they have the same robe size. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I gave you that. Like I thought I want to take that back. That was fucking under under fucking right, on, <laughs> right down the middle. Oh shit! A lot of this but, stuff comes down to like people just can't fa- like we talked about before. Like you can't fathom the numbers involved, right? You feel like it, you're exactly right. You know, you yeah. just, it's just literally beyond your comprehension. Like a billion dollars is so much money that you just can't visualize it. Yeah. Just, and they don't know. Yeah, they don't get it. They yeah. don't understand it. They don't realize how much money those people look. The really good billionaires in the world, the uh, Bill Gateses and the you know Warren Buffetts. <laughs> Warren Buffett is like. Uh, I'm not fucking paying enough. Like, there is no way that this yeah, is yeah, right. Yeah, he straight like, up says that. that. Yeah. He's very honest about it, saying, you are not even remotely taxing me as much as you should. Like, he is a very honest man. I will give Warren that. Like, of all the people that are playing the game, he's just playing the game that w- was set on the table. That guy didn't come from generational wealth. He just made very good investments, and he kept doing it. And he understood the... uh the power of compound interest and he used it to his advantage and he kept compounding, 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 and he compounded the fuck out of his wealth. (laughs) So he became one of the richest people in the entire world, but he will tell you without a shadow of a doubt, he is not paying enough in taxes. Um, I don't want it to always be about, you know, who can we take from, but enough has been taken from us that some does need to come back the other right. way without a fucking shadow right. of a doubt. Like in order to make it easier because the, you know, um, the ability for people to get where they want to go and to live the true American dream is not as easy as it used to be. And the ones who are going through it are still being taken advantage of while they are going through that process, even though, some of them know it and some of them don't like that's the even funnier part about it some of them just understand hey that's a fucking cost of doing business i don't give a shit i'm gonna power right through and all the more power to that guy but there is there are a lot of things that are set up to take advantage of the small business owner in this world and it could be so much easier if like the government could take that money like what is it we're talking about a uh, what is that? A 13% tax increase on the, let's say the top 10%, right? Like the wealthiest earners in the United States. What do those people make? 80% of the income in in the United States of America, something like that. I think that's probably pretty close to the number. I mean, at, at the minimum, let's just say 50. I mean, imagine getting, that's a pretty big jump in your uh in your revenue that comes in imagine if you just cut off five percent of that and you say hey i'm going to dedicate that towards entrepreneurial spirit in the united states of america and then what do you choose to do with it i mean obviously you could spend a shit on infrastructure um but where do you put that money i mean that's a that's another aircraft carriers 
<laughs> Fucking shit. Yeah, we get the mili- do we get into the military budget? Yeah. yeah. Is that what's gonna- well, 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 within that, though, like a buddy of mine, he made, uh, we talked about this a bunch. He made $250,000 one year, right? Which put him in the top bracket. No? Like, where, where does, what's, the, what's the, the bottom of the top? It's like 250, right? Yeah, like 400 is about like where are you? I think 400 is where you hit like the highest, highest. All right, bracket. so you hit 400. You're in the, that, you made $400,000. $400,000. You and Jeff Bezos are in the same tax bracket. Right. <laughs> like fucking the middle class. Like that's, that's just, that's just mind boggling. Like two, the guy's worth, he's going to be worth $200 billion. The first person to ever reach $200 billion. And the guy that owns a couple of restaurants and makes $400,000, the government sees them as the amount. same fucking thing. Yeah. No, it could be, you could have a progressive tax rate that could definitely, I mean, it hasn't been changed in quite some time. So <laughs> like updating that when you have significantly more, I mean, in 1980, did we even have a billionaire? Was there even one in America? Like, I don't even fucking know if we had one. Like if we did, we probably had one. Right. I mean, it wasn't anything like that. So updating that, given the amount of money that's been made and especially the way that the wealth's been concentrated at the top by people who have taken advantage of the economy that was built specifically to do that. Like, yeah, you could fucking get on those dudes if you want to. And then what do you do, though, about the income that they already earned? Like that becomes the big part, because at this point they could just say, "Okay, I fucking won't make anymore. Like what fucking difference does it make? I have it all like so that. Yeah, charge him. All right, so their interest, right? So check this out. I I did some numbers based off of what you said, right? So (laughs) twenty-one trillion dollars is our GDP, approximately twenty-one trillion GDP. Um, And you said eighty percent, right? Eighty percent of uh, is what's made by the top ten percent. That was our our first rough guesstimate. Um, That's sixteen trillion and some odd dollars. And if you raise, if you did a tax increase of 13% on those folks, that comes to a total bill of $2 trillion that would get paid back into the economy, right? Those are rough yeah. numbers, yeah. And, 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 well, and, then you got to... Yeah. Well, then, and, and then just for some perspective, um, for, for, for those of us who really need to wrap our head around numbers, you know, who are like, the government gave me $1,200 and I love Trump now. If we <laughs> taxed the top 10% for one year, at that higher 13% and then just fucking gave it all back evenly to everybody, including them, we'd all get $6,600. We'd all get $6,000 just because they didn't get an extra $2 trillion that they can't spend in their entire lives. And that yeah. that's what is, is nuts about this to me. We act like there's no way to, to fix this problem, but it's only because the people who have the money have no desire to fix this problem. I mean, yes, you're right. If we... You know, if we slashed and burned the financial market, that would be a whole different thing because the people with a 401k that totals $100,000 would lose percentage wise just as much as anybody else if you just slashed it all and you we'd lose across the board. But if we did it in a progressive way, even just that 13 percent back up to the 50 percent that Reagan uh, uh, had had instated, which still is ridiculous comparatively, is six thousand dollars for thirty three hundred and thirty million people like what? How? Why? I don't fucking, there's not words. That's some bullshit. No, there is a ton of things that you could do with it. That Then the question becomes, then the fight would be about like, you know, this, this discussion's just about the economy, right? That's just what we're talking about here. But like, 
then there becomes this whole different thing if everybody's going to want their chunk of that money you're going to have the the healthcare people are going to want their chunk of it right like that's going to come in the free college or education people those guys are going to want their chunk of it the hey should we support small businesses uh hey what do we do about social injustice we love african-american people behind for 200 years like how do we catch them up how much of that money should be given or dedicated towards you know trying to equal that fucking wrong right mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like it goes it goes on and on is trying to figure out what it is i do believe that the answer absolutely without a shadow of a doubt starts with charging the people who make the most money their fair share like that is not unheard of like they don't even pay for the first time ever there was that uh article that came out by forbes like last year for the first time ever the 400 richest families in the united states paid less in implicit tax than the average american family did like the lowest 50 percent of family earners like they paid something like 23.2 percent in tax and we paid 24 or something like that is what it was and like that is incredibly fucked up. That should never happen in a million years by recapturing some of that income. But here's the thing, like, and this is something that I believe the last administration tried to do is they didn't even want to change the tax rate. They're just like, those dudes are fucking cheating. We know that they're cheating. We know that they're lying. We're going to build a special division in the IRS to only go after who we think is actually cheating us out of money, just not telling the truth on their tax returns. And one, the amount of pressure that they got politically, because those people started using their influence to influence the people around them, right? Uh, The amount of money that they could throw at attorneys, that throw at tax lawyers, to throw at CPAs in order to fight you every step of the way, the mounds of information that they shoveled down you. Like if we decided to do that big tax thing, We would also need to pull aside like a billion dollars to fund the biggest, baddest freaking auditing group on the face of the fucking earth. (laughs) And like you would literally go to Harvard and MIT or just any place that has fucking great like tax kids coming out and get the smartest fucking little shits and be like, yo, dude, I'm going to pay you a half a million dollars a year. Or I mean, I'm going to pay you a half a billion dollars a year to fuck with the richest fucking people on this planet. And it would be Navy SEALs of finance. It would be be (laughs) all their parents. They would be going after their fucking parents. And that's That's the the problem. That's right. Or it would be like, you never know, man. You get the like smart little kid that comes over from South Korea that just wants to go to fucking Harvard because he's good at math, dude. You can get him. He doesn't fucking give a shit. Did you just drop an Asian Asian stereotype? Like (laughs) fucking hardcore. So we're talking about MIT. Like, I don't know if you've ever looked at their enrollment, but it's not people like me. Hey, 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 listen, (laughs) man. I, I was I was in school for music. Like I was one of the few gingers there. Like, you know, at grad school for music. There was a large uh, portion of folks that didn't look like me, so I'm, I can dig it. Yeah, yeah. in fairness. I, no, I, no, no. I went to Japan one time, that. and the first thing I learned was like, oh, that's why you're better. <laughs> like, <laughs> everyone's fucking focused. Everything's awesome. Like, everyone's nice. Like, no wonder you're fucking yeah. good at everything. <laughs> yeah, no. I'll take, a, I'll take a really good Polish math kid. I don't give a shit. I just want him to be an immigrant that, came, that got into America because he's smart. Like, that's all I fucking want. Like, yeah. I went to South Korea because... 
you know, that's just a nice, friendly company country that I think we're still allowing them in at this point. So, like, <laughs> that's what- well, it's saying like if you tile that into Citizens United too, like. Jeff Bezos has $200 billion and Citizens United is a thing. He can make a shell company, put 50 fucking billion dollars in the shell company, have that be like donate to a super PAC, and then still have $150 billion. Forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the interest yeah. would compound, hit for like a billion, another billion the next day. Like, yeah. And you could totally buy as much influence as you ever want to buy with that amount of money. I mean, there's, again, there's that's uh, more of like a philosophical or ethical question like should people even have that much money like this is america like i i don't really want to have that conversation i know what i believe but like it's i i know if i was in that position i would feel uncomfortable having that much knowing that there are so many people out there who don't like it would that's just how i would be as a person that's a completely different different story that's called empathy yeah. And I mean, that kind of brings up the, the to play devil's advocate a little bit here in terms of like the, the conservative talking points or the, the, the counter arguments that they present um, in a lot of t- a lot of ways. They'll you know, they'll talk about instead of raising the, the, the tax rates on, on the wealthy, we should just encourage generosity and philanthropy and that type of stuff. And obviously, that's not a viable solution. It's working really well, that, right? Like, that's working yeah, out great. Right. Well, what's yeah, funny totally. is, like, the, the biggest philanthropist is, is fucking Bill Gates, and immediately he gets conspiracy theories about trying to, like, chip the planet and right. fucking kill everybody. Like, come on, man. He's the right. only one doing then, good things. Right. And even when they're donating, they're not donating it to the, the, the federal government or the, you know, any state governments that are being able to put that money to you know, practical use to improve communities, it's going to their causes. They're building pipelines, they're building whatever. Not not Bill Gates, but like the Koch brothers or whatever it is. Uh, oh, those guys. Throwing they their money at those, heard of those them. issues. Well, one of them, one of them died. died. So that's, right, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, the, the other part of that is, you know, the, the counter argument on the conservative side would be, well, we shouldn't go after these billionaires because they create jobs and we shouldn't do, do things like increase the minimum wage to $15 an hour because that would that disincentivizes them to hire and they can't hire as many people and blah, blah, blah. And I know that's all bullshit. But would you be able to articulate why that's such bullshit in, a, <laughs> in an economic? Well, well and I, and I think I think that's the thing. I think um, I mean, yes, the disinformation campaign is strong and it has been for quite a while now with the idea that for some reason folks who um well i'm just gonna say folks who drive a pickup truck are on the opposite side of folks who drive a prius right like there's this element of the 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 conservative world believing in their you know blue collar job and aligning with the folks who believe in deregulation and I, i i get the um i get the appeal of anti-bureaucracy, right? That's how they sell it because everybody's been to the DMV. That's the explanation, right? If you walk into a space where you're going to wait in line for a certain amount of time to just do a thing that you don't give a shit about doing, you just have to do it because somebody else tells you to do it so that you can continue to live your life, that feels a way. Um, Unfortunately, like we've been sold this idea that every single thing that comes from the government is that. You know, like, and and I know that's what I grew up hearing. My 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 folks, um, specifically <coughs> Reagan. My, yeah, well, specifically my dad was very much like, you know, well, the government never does anything good. Can you believe they paid five hundred dollars for a hammer? Does anybody remember that whole fucking thing, the five hundred dollar hammer situation? Yeah, and 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 it's yeah. like, you know what? I, 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 at this point now, 
the the fact that there's so much nuance built into that and that nobody wants to hear any of it we're we're all you know kind of leaning so hard into this how do we sell this to people it, it really again it comes back to the education uh you know well it's question. also context and nuance because in that situation you have to spend if you don't spend your budget you get less the next year yeah so, hence 500 dollars fucking hammers you yes know? It's like, exactly exactly if you, ex- if you don't explain that part it's out of context and it's just right it's dead like the hot coffee well the other i mean to, to, to answer my own like question, the hot coffee call back <laughs> as it as it relates to like the billionaires creating these jobs Yes, maybe they are creating these jobs. There's, you know, Amazon employs X thousand number of employees, but they're paying them shit. And then what happens is we are subsidizing them by by paying for, you know, the, the food stamps or or uh, Medicaid or whatever it is that they're not being able to get that. <laughs> we're, not, we're not we're not getting, uh, you know, they're they're taking from the government rather than providing a living wage to their employees. But not even ta- with, like, like the same thing with Walmart. Even framing it that way that they're taking from the government. They're just fucking trying to survive. I'm not they're- talking about the employees. I'm oh, talking about the corporations. Oh, 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 the people who are getting yeah, subsidies. No, no, and stuff. no, no, no. Sorry, no, no. I misunderstood. Be very clear about no, but, that, because the, that- the employees are doing a, an honest day's work for an for a, a an incredibly day's dishonest pay. day's and, pay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So they that's why the $15 minimum wage is actually antiquated. It should be, what, $22 it, like, an hour or something like that? You know, if you worked for GMC in the wage. 90s, you made 30 bucks a day. You were just stamping shit on a line, and you made 30 bucks, you know, or 30 bucks an hour, yeah. sorry. And, 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 and the fact that we're arguing over paying people 15 bucks an hour at a time period when you can spend 15 bucks for, on two drinks at a Starbucks, it's, it, it's, it's mind-blowing that that's the argument. I don't understand how out of, how yeah. that's continued to stay out. Like, what can you get for seven dollars and twenty five cent? Like, no. just like, like a list of that shit. You're gonna work. You're gonna give up an hour of your life. You're basically on a fucking chain gang at that point. It, yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a lifelong, um, uh, you know, search to just to just fucking make it to the next day to work for another seven dollars. And I don't I don't get that. Yeah. I mean, we haven't really even touched the elephant in the room, which is uh, healthcare, right? Like that makes up what eighteen percent of. Don't of even GDP? fucking just just leave just That's a whole yes yes we, we yes. Mean, okay you can't, you uh, can't public really, we agree I mean, yeah okay well, I guess we agree this, this is a problem but that's such an, another another topic right I, I would just it, I would lump that in with the student loan thing like that that should be something that is provided by taxes right healthcare should just be covered. It should be a thing that exists. I don't think you can compare student loans to healthcare. Well, both uh, of those I mean, things. I don't like, know. It gets, it's saying. getting big. They, they, man. they, they feel like they're part of the social contract. Like there's something right. that education, not dying, not being sick. They should be part yeah. of the social well, contract. Yeah. Right. It yeah. goes to the profit profit motive. There are certain things that should not have a profit motive. And yes. if My you list, get above the, 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 the five hundred thousand dollars a year thing, then then you lose yeah. those benefits because you don't fucking need them. Like we argue that we can't give this to everybody. We don't need. To give it to everybody, right. there are people who right. do have the money, and 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 this it's so strange to me that they they picked that two hundred and fifty thousand dollar cutoff for a while there. Like was that was that Bernie's call? Was that was that his plan? Was anybody above two fifty? You you would know more than I would. 50. Go ahead. Any above two fifty? What uh, for for the progressive taxing? Oh yeah, I think it was two fifty. Yeah, was it was it two hundred fifty thousand? That number to me. I always, think it's. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
I think it's still. I was going to say. I think it's still tiered, and I think it's a million is where they said. Was the it okay? See, of, that's way more yeah. reasonable to me. So, so I guess yeah. I, I'm maybe I'm misinformed on that, but I know that somebody was bouncing around that idea of two hundred fifty thousand dollars being um, the, the that sort of top tier, and and I mean that's ridiculous, right? Like that again. You know, we're talking about a, an entirely different element of the country, and that's pitting people like folks who make $250,000 a year in my world are making a shit ton of money, but I'm not pissed at them because they still are just fucking doing what they can do to pull off what they can pull off. They're not the folks. They are the folks who have a really successful small business. They're busting their ass. They're doing their thing. I get that, and I don't begrudge those people, and I don't understand how you can conflate those folks with Jeff Bezos. That's not the same thing. Even the folks making a million dollars are not the same thing as Jeff Bezos, right? And so when you talk about health care and education, the, those things need to be guaranteed for everybody under that million-dollar line. Like, There's no reason that it shouldn't be. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. It's, they talk about a wealth tax instead of just the, the higher you know, Yeah, higher I mean, income. it's still progressive. It's yeah. just it's more reasonable, yeah. right? It's more realistic. Right. Well, yeah. That's what I mean, so yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say, like, we were talking about why they don't tax and why the government shouldn't be involved, and we were talking about how, you know, a lot of that stuff should be taken care of through philanthropy, and why can't the churches help those people? And Beej and I had this. Conversation oh, the churches, you say? <laughs> that's so, also another episode. <laughs> uh, no, no, but this one has to do with the economy, right? Yeah. So I. I finance stuff for churches. I finance mm -hmm. stuff for several churches. Um, you know, they're, they're businesses too. They have needs. They have mortgages. They have equipment. They have all sorts of stuff, right? So, don't pay taxes. Yeah, they just don't pay taxes. That's exactly right. And so, um, but one of the things that I noticed with one of the churches that I was doing business with, they came to me for a loan and I went to their office and I met with them. And there were two things in this that were particularly grubby that did not sit right with me. Um, the first one is, is we sat down with their like little accounting team and we talked about everything that the banker needed to talk to them about. I was only there to talk to them about equipment. Like after this entire conversation is done, they asked those ladies to leave the room and he's like, Hey, can you shut the door behind you? And so like they shut the door and we sit there and he's like, Hey, I want to have this conversation privately with you. I want to finance this blah, 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 whatever it was. It was like, a a big accounting software program was going to cost like $35,000, right? He's like, can I lump that in with the rest of the equipment that I'm getting? Is that something you do? And I was like, yeah, we'll finance like software. That's fine. Um, and he's, I was like, why? Like, you know, what do you need it for? And he's like, I was like, just updating the system. He's like, yeah, it'll, it'll actually let me like get rid of like half those ladies. Like, and he was relatively enthusiastic about that. Now, the, <clears throat> the thing is, is like I was looking at the financials of this particular organization. They were not hurting for money in any way, shape, right. or form. But this dude is treating it like a business. He wants to cut payroll, right? He wants to right. automate those jobs, right? So he wanted to do that. The other thing that I noticed about that particular organization when I looked at their payroll, or I mean at their financials, was like, their outreach and philanthropy and community work, like work that they were, that you're supposed to be spending a good portion of that money on, right? Like right. you would think it would be, it That's would be, the bargain, like, right? yeah, let's say five, 10% of gross revenue, right? You're spending it on the community trying to do something to better. Uh, they're like car allowances and housing allowances for the staff were significantly larger portions of their annual expenditures 
than were like the goodwill they're supposed to be doing in the community. Like that was almost, I mean, it was like at the bottom of stuff that like, yeah, yeah, no, we should do some of that too. Right. Like, <laughs> and I, I'd imagine I haven't looked at all of them, but I've looked at a handful of them. They all kind of look like that. And, and so you're saying religion's honest, a scam. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I, so what I will say is that it's, uh, Some of it also isn't their fault. It's also the system that we operate in, right? So those people have mortgages, right? And when they go, like the way a commercial mortgage works is it's not like a residential mortgage where you get a 30-year fixed term and that's it. You get a mortgage one time and you just make those payments for the rest of the time. That's not how it works. Like you get a 20-year amortization with a five-year term with a balloon. So every five years, you have to walk back into a bank and say, hey – I need to refinance the remaining portion of my mortgage, right? And they look at your financials. And if you are spending, even if you're a church and you're spending a lot of your money on doing good stuff for people, that bank is going to tell you, like, you need to stop doing that because (laughs) I want more proof that you're going to have enough money to pay me. Like, and... So they end up like literally telling those people like, hey, you know that outreach homeless program that you had like set up downtown that you were spending $250,000 a year on? Like really would like to see that go next time you come in here. Else we're not able to – In the uh, name of Christ. In the name of Christ. <laughs> right? Well, like – and that's – and they'll they'll make suggestions like that to them and for them, they're like, okay, like – you know, really, we're just we're here to spread the word of Christ. That's our, our primary thing. So I need my building in order to do that. Like it's a it's an easy justification for them to make, mm-hmm. like given what the core mission is, right? Um, but it it's stuff like that. Like those people aren't going to pick up that other side of it that supposedly right. everybody thinks that they're going to pick up. That is just not going to happen. Um, you know, the ten percent ties, like anybody ever been to a big church dude those dudes drive like preachers drive mercedes man like they ain't driving those dudes ain't driving like you know geo tractors or anything like that like that system creates crooked people right the, I mean, the, that's... right but it just also goes to show how the system is set up just as a whole like automation is one of the biggest things that's going to, it's going to destroy this economy. There is no need for workers anymore. And the longer we get into this and a 50, a hundred years from now, like I, I don't know that our education system is set up properly in order to deal with it. You guys mentioned something about healthcare. I had made a little note earlier today um, in 2000, in the year 2000, 7 million more people had manufacturing jobs than there were healthcare jobs in 2008. You had 2.4 me- more are 2.4 million workers in retail than you had in healthcare. As of 2017, healthcare is the single largest employer of people in the United States of America. So we are going to have to push a lot more of our people into those fields. We probably need, you know, everyone talks about STEM all the time. Like if we want to have a sustainable economy, we need to be shoving STEM up these kids' ass right now because (laughs) they need to, like they are going to have to be in the sciences. They're going to have to be in the computers. They're going to have to be in the technology sector. Like there is going to be, they're going to need to program the stuff that was doing the job that their dad was doing because that's the only way they're going to have a role in this world. Like they're not going to be, 
to do, the manual labor side of things, the economy is going to continue to deteriorate for them. Like, and you, uh, we could, l- let's put it this way. We could put the wealth tax in place. We could go back to the Reagan stuff. We could take all that money, put it back into innovation and t- put it back into business. We need to put it back into the right type of business, right, the right type of things, because mm-hmm. th- this whole make America great, like manufacturing pipe fucking dream that people are smoking, like that shit is never fucking happening ever again. Right. Like it is gone in the manufacturing companies that will be here, like the big ones that they'll build. There'll be like 40 people in that 600,000 square foot facility and it'll be all fucking robots, right? Yep. And That's what Andrew Yang was talking about. Yep. Right. right. It'll mm. be highly trained individuals who understand technology. Like everyone's going to need to be smarter. Everyone's going to need to be more specific. Like they need to do a better job of putting these kids on a path of, you know, what they can do in this world and how they're going to be successful and how they'll be able to have a career for 40 years so that they they can retire at the end of the day because the economy has changed an incredible amount just from the time I was a kid and it's becoming significantly more and more automated. There are less and less people needed to do jobs. It's crazy to me that that people don't that people don't see that right like uh, so the the analogy I was given in college was the the, the buggy whip analogy. Do you guys know this? No. Like so, when there were buggies, when there you know buggies that were pulled by horses, um, there was a whole industry for folks making buggy whips. Right. Um, no matter what you ever 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 do, you cannot rebuild the buggy whip industry because we don't need buggies. We don't use them. We don't have horse driven buggies anymore. That is not an industry that you could ever revitalize. Um, and yet like there was a a time period at the turn of the century when cars were beginning to be developed, that they created a union and they fought back against the loss of their industry. Um, and, and it doesn't, there's, there's, it's inevitable that that industry was going to die. There's no way we could change that. And here we are a hundred years later, 120 years later. Um, and that just seems, it seems ridiculous to think that we would fight to make sure that people who made buggy whips could still have a job, but making sure that people, have uh manufacturing jobs is just as ridiculous you know it's it because of automation it's going away and in another hundred years it will be as as sort of obsolete as being able is you can make the best fucking buggy whip on the planet it's not going to matter nobody's going to need it anymore and 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 the fact that we we fight over um you know it's trying to save those jobs like you said it is a pipe dream and and i'm amazed at how easy it was to convince an entire, you know, chunk of the country that that was just going to happen. You know, those are just going to come back. We're going to start making everything here again. I, I, I grew up in a town that made furniture. Lexington, North Carolina will never fucking make furniture ever again. Never going to happen. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah. it's the name of a fucking furniture company. There's Lexington Furniture, and that <laughs> shit ain't made in Lexington. And, yeah. and, and it's just gone, you know, and you can't yeah. change that. Yeah, it'll be, I mean... Obviously, I think the easiest way to fix the economy and help the the middle class is spending two trillion dollars on infrastructure, right? Like because those are jobs that are still going to be primarily done by humans, right? And you can put in like, and they do this all the time when they stick stuff out for bid. Like they constantly have small business carve outs, right? Like where you have to, it has to be a company that does $20 million a year or less in revenue. Right. And they're the ones who have to get that job. And that guy's going to have his crew of 10, 20 people out there that are going to bust that out. I mean, that would be the, that's the way to, for the next 25 years, 
realistically help the middle class out, like give everybody the opportunity to do stuff. We can also take the money from the rich dudes too and put that to good work. No, but like that's where the two trillion comes from. Thirteen yeah, percent. <laughs> he did the math. It's fair. I already yeah. did the math. That easily pays for no. it. We have a better. Like, we have more policy than the 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 Republican and the, the entire Republican National Convention does. Like in this <laughs> conversation, we just had more policy about hey, fixing. Hey, the all economy. they need is one policy, and that's hail Trump. Yeah. So they're they got it. They got hail, it. hail Trump indeed. So all right, who wants the last word on this one? Because we're almost at two hours, and that's awesome. <laughs> Covered a lot of ground. Don't worry. You have enough dog barks to edit out. We'll be down about 30 minutes. Believe me, (laughs) we're never recording a podcast in this room at this table ever a fucking game. Oh, 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 all of the world. I have to say, I had like half a notebook full of notes uh, leading up or preparing for this. Why don't you just give those to me and I'll read them for you. (laughs) (laughs) Recite them. No, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah. You should uh, get the last word. I just say the the reality of this. I, I just I again I'm 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 at a loss of words. I mean I'm just so uh, as as the average guy who owns a business who works hard trying to make a living. Um, I just feel like the cards are so stacked against me that uh, what am I to do? I mean, well, it's it's like the I think the big the bigger point is that it's so fucked because it's so it's beyond comprehension, right? Like, like we, like I, I, I termed yeah. this. I, I, uh, for these kinds of problems, that they're they're diamond problems. They're so multifaceted that you you kind of see the sparkle of all the facets, but you don't really see the whole shape of the thing. Um, it's just they're complicated in a way that. Uh, how do you wrap your head around it? But it's intentional too. It's, it's I think it's, it's deliberately compli- to, complicated. I think there's an intentional manipulation uh, that puts us at right. Disadvantage. Yeah, it's important to recognize that this is not an accident. This is this was in very much intentional oh, yeah. that it's, that it's set up this way. But then Porter right. pointed out a bunch of times that there are folks who are just trying to do the thing that they think they should be doing. Even those churches, just they just have to play the game. So you have this weird. You have, no, 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 not. I'm the last motherfucker <laughs> to be defending a church. You know. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, but still, they're they're. They are kind of forced to play the game, and they, they, you know, some of them are doing it kind of okay. And so, why would they shoot themselves in the foot and unfuck the game, you know, and then lose? Like, I get why that makes that's where it's really complicated. Like, policy right. is fuck. Like, policy we could fix. Like, we could do those things. But you have these folks who are earnestly, actually, fucking just they're just trying to do the thing. Right. All of us, all of yep. us in some element are just trying to do the thing. That's why you 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 write things off on your taxes like, yeah, man, I want to fucking I want the system to work. But it's also real fucking hard for me at the end of the year to pay money I don't have. So I look at the money it costs me to do business and I write that off on of my taxes. Now, if I was being really philanthropic with my money, I would go, you know, fuck, fuck my write offs. I'll, I'll pay you know, whatever percentage that is so I can pay into the game. But I, like, it's hard to get any of us to want to do that because we feel right. like we, we're, we're handing back a portion of the fucking breadcrumb, right? And, and, and you've right. got people way up the line, just like the small businesses you work with, that need $2 million, $10 million, which sounds like a lot to me. But to them, they're just barely even playing in the pool at that point, right? And, right. and, 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 oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what makes it so difficult, right? That's what really creates the facets of this problem is the fact that 
we would all we'd have to get those folks all on the same side, and those are the folks that we we feel pitted against in a certain way um, to come together against the folks who are making money off of nothing, who are making money, um, uh, uh, who made so much money in their lifetimes that that they are actively working hard to just figure out where to even invest it. Like like they aren't even doing their thing anymore. They're just trying to do something with the excess of money they have, and those right. are the folks yeah. that have the control. I mean, honestly, right. I mean, there's there's ways that it could be that, that you could get more. I mean, uh, people talk about it all the time. Like, probably one of the most effective ways that we could ever get any of this stuff done, probably within 30 days, if we really wanted to, would be a national strike. Like, for all of us to just say "fuck you," we're not doing anything anymore. <laughs> like, for one month, like everything to, to just shut it down. Like, I, I, know I just want to go back to our yeah, last, the last topic, which is to say that we couldn't fucking stay home for two or three yeah. weeks to, you know, keep a pandemic under, under right. control. Uh, we're not right. going to fucking strike. Yeah. Right. But you, uh, that's, and that is where the control lies is you're going to have, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And we have a fuck ton of weak links. Oh so, my uh, God. Yeah. Is, <laughs> Uh, that's kind of what this <laughs> podcast should be called. Is like it's all focus fucked. on you, fuck ton of weak links, <laughs> like <laughs> trying oh. to strengthen up those chinks in the chain, dude. All. Like a, a big part of what we're trying to do here too, or like the 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 purpose of this, these conversations is just to go fuck. What the fuck? Is there a like, purpose? There's is this a purpose. Just an effort <laughs> of futility. I think the only thing we have in common, I'm like fuck what we said before. Like we're just like wow. This is See, so what what I see as the purpose of what we're doing is we are folks who are just as disgruntled as the folks that are jumping in the back of a pickup truck with a Make America Great Again flag. Like and we they are, are goddamn 15. We, we are just, we're as just disgruntled. as disgruntled as those folks. And we, I want to have a conversation about what the actual problem is because the same thing that's fucking them up is fucking us up. We're all literally on the same side of this stupid fucking argument, just like with COVID. We're all feeling the same process. We're just, we've been sold whose team we should be on. And and, right. and that's what these conversations I think are that, about. That is the bigger point, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want yeah. a free lunch. I want to go to work. I want to work hard. Fuck I want to yeah. earn my living. And, I, you know, Ah, I mean, I'll be a welfare queen just because the outfits are nice. But I mean, yeah, still, yeah, yeah. you look great. We in just stockings. we just need to figure out to how to correct the pendulum. It swung a little too far towards yeah. the greedy capitalist without any fucking rules side of things. We need to bring it a little bit, not all the way towards socialism, but just a little bit of socialism, baby. We just need a little bit of socialism. But again, to pull the shit out. If you want to pull that thread, though, this is this goes back to the shit we were talking about last episode. It was like. The fucking the media situation is so insane that people want to kill each other for absolutely no reason. They don't even know they look. They're, they're just given reasons. Like the narrative that's just put in front of people is fucking so insane. Yeah. If we don't like that's if you don't if like, you regulate the economy forever, if we don't regulate the media, the media is gonna say whatever the fuck they want, and then there's just you get nothing. There's we're gonna get nothing done money, unless there's rules made. There's more money in war than there is in peace. There's way more money in war than there is in peace. It's the same. Yeah. It's a tale as old as time. When, when, when you can get. Bombs are expensive. Yeah. When you can get people who you don't have to who take a hate, loan to make those. <laughs> when you can get people who Sidewinder. hate lawyers and they hate personal injury attorneys to get two fucking rich ass personal injury attorneys to be like their spokespeople for the common man. Like that's brilliant. Right. Like like those two fucking dudes like that. That couple with the guns. 
uh, you know, that spoke at the RNC, they're personal injury attorneys, and they live in a goddamn restored historic mansion. They are the farthest thing from the salt of the earth, but they happen to right. own guns and hate black people, so they're like the best. That like, how did that become the thing that like? I get it, man. I fucking I, I I lived in that world. Like I I still have to deal with my fucking dad who thinks those things are a real thing. Like I understand where they're coming from. But when did that line cross? Like when was that okay? If if you said those, if you took it out of context and said, you know, the person that that runs an ad on TV, like you, you know, in an accident, you know, like you, they fucking hate those people. Except for those people. Yeah. How? Why? It's just, uh, what? Be more angry, BJ. I was getting angrier and angrier. It's like the 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 we can have this conversation forever, infinitely, right? Clearly, this, this and fucking, we will just literally forever. Yeah. But unless you like, unless like we were talking about a guy that we know before in the last episode, if he was here, he wouldn't agree. He would be. He would think that we are the enemy because of the shit that he's. He will go home. He'll find his fucking own echo chamber on the internet, and he'll come back madder than he was when the conversation happened. And we're all basically agreeing on the same fucking things, right? Like, we all have the same fucking problems with the same things. We're getting fucked by the same system, but half of us watch the, the red one and half of us watch the blue one, and, and until that's resolved, there is no solution. We will not have a conversation. We're all going to die in a nuclear holocaust. That's how this goes. <laughs> I Nobody hate everything. <laughs> I see. As, like, okay. Like, I'd like to make a quick descriptor here. Christian yeah, is we staring should. off into the corner, like forlorn and, and with, with deep philosophical <laughs> thoughts that I think are being missed right now. While BJ is predicting a, a Holocaust. <laughs> Dude, Christian's fucking your, your facial expressions throughout this entire conversation. At some point, Matt was on a diatribe. Of which I had completely glossed over. I'm just like numbers and decimal points and shit. And Christian well, <laughs> was looking at the ceiling with like complete despair. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, go. So do, do your I, thing. I have my notebook, and I'm just gonna say the points I was thinking about prior to the actual conversation we had is something about imaginary money. I did bring up the myth of the meritocracy. Wait, wait. Let's make this a thing. So Matt, we're gonna do speed answers, right? You got it. Yeah. You got like one. Okay. One to one and a half (laughs) sentences to respond to everything in Christian's notebook, and that's the end of the episode. Okay. So the the term imaginary money, explain that. Okay. I mean, imaginary money is like what we talked about. Like, there's no exchange of cash. Like, if you're doing a real estate investment trust, like you're taking money, you're leveraging it up using a wholesale line of credit, and you're getting paid 5% income on a billion dollars when really you only had a hundred million dollars of cash. So the 900 million was fake. It was somebody else's. Right. So we covered that earlier. Basically the imaginary money is money that's made over moving money. Well, and uh, like an example, no, know, no elaborating. That was oh, it. Okay. Next question. Next question. The myth I of mean, the meritocracy. How does that feed in how, the myth of the meritocracy and how does that feed into the economy? Oh or, God. I mean, th- there is no meritocracy. The person who's working harder than everybody else in America is absolutely making less. Like, there is zero doubts about that. The guy who works harder than anybody, he makes the least amount of money. Nailed time. it. Next one. Yep. Social distractions in the culture industry. In the culture industry? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, a loaded, like, that's a loaded reference, so I'm not going to give you Everything that, I was right? just screaming about, it was that. Yeah, that's just like the the... the media used as an instrument of, of uh, manipulation financial manipulation yeah. yeah oh actually let's a doubt, refine I mean, that yeah go ahead Matt you got an answer for that uh, no all I was gonna say is that 
not necessarily social distraction, but our country does an absolutely terrible job of educating our youth on financial, like, Mm -hmm. discipline. Like, they do not, like, that should be taught in school. It should be taught as its own class. Like, they taught home economics. Like, they should teach finance at the high school level, at a rudimentary level to teach people the basics of it, of home finance, and just, like, how to manage your own personal life. And they don't do that at all in this country and that is that it's a big problem it's one of the reasons why we're debt riddled do you think that's an accident do you think they just want us to be more ripe to be taken advantage of Mm, i think that the bigger problem is that we don't fund education so finding the money for it in order to set up the curriculum we fund the shit out of education i don't know what you're talking about billions yeah Uh, yeah Yeah. all right okay okay time next um (laughs) fuck y'all oh that's too big of a thing Capitalism and the economic. It was it was his wiener. It was your wiener. Uh, (laughs) You you marked your wiener. Come on, Patches, keep it together. (laughs) The lie of trickle economics. Oh, trickle economics. Yeah, we kind of already explained that a little bit, but yeah, yeah, no, but it is a lie. Like it's obviously it doesn't trickle down. It gets stuck at the top. Like our economy right now, we all remember the water system. Right. Like where water evaporates and it goes up into the clouds and then too much water gets in the clouds and it comes back down. What we have now is all the water has evaporated up into the clouds. And for some reason, the clouds won't fucking rain. Right? <laughs> and they have all this stuff and it's just a desert down at the bottom and it won't come back out like it, it's not fucking trickling. At Cloud all. blue balls. Right? <laughs> yeah. That is Blue the sound clowns. bite. That's the sound I bite for this episode. Yeah. yeah, I was I was gonna hand that one to Josh, but I'll say what your what your poster says. Fuck Reagan. He's a fuck ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, dude, yeah. Matt, thank you so much for hanging out with a bunch of fucking idiots drinking beer. <laughs> you guys are cool, man. You guys are cool. I had a good time. You guys, yeah, that fun. was great. I'm, I'm glad you shut me up and <laughs> kept me quiet. <laughs> so let's um let's let's see if we can wrap up a sign off. Um, so here at um you know our particular podcast, Medicine for the Dead, you can actually listen to us in various places. Josh, you want to give them give them the deets on that? Oh sure, yeah. Currently, our our main host page is the uh, Anchor FM slash Medicine for the Dead. So that's where you can go or where you may be listening to it right now. Eventually, it'll be on all streaming platforms, including Apple Podcasts. But currently, you can get it on Spotify and uh, Breaker and a few others. But yeah, you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all the same handle, at Med4DeadPod. That's us. You be killing it, bro. Christian? Good night, motherfuckers. (laughs) 